Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Hey, I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Today, we're going to look at a story where Jesus was sending out 72 disciples uh, to represent him. Luke 10 verses 1 through 12. Before I read that, I just want to give a, briefer up, a brief update Excuse me, on uh, Pastor David, as uh, David Loveless has told already. He did have a setback earlier in the week, if you had not heard that or read about it online. Uh, but he recovered well from that. It was due to the medications he was taking and some digestive tract issues. Um, but he's doing great and progressing well. And I expect either next week or the week after he'll be here for a service and then hopefully preaching uh, before too long at all. So we celebrate the way God is bringing healing in David's life and really thankful for that. And as David Loveless said, he's texting us often and, and uh, involved and uh, really... Um, energetic and excited about um, where he's headed. And climbing every day was the term he used with me. So open your Bibles again, Luke 10, and I'm going to read just verse 9. Uh, that's the key verse that we're going to look at today, Luke 10, verse 9. And then we're going to go back and look through all of the verses. But verse 9 says this, heal the sick and in it, excuse me, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The kingdom of God has come near to you. In this verse, Jesus says that we're to show and tell. Y'all know what show and tell is, right? It's what you did when you come back from Christmas break or summer break at school, at least what I did in the second and third grade, and they'd say, show and tell. tell us, show us something that you experienced and tell us about it. And it's the same thing that Jesus is saying here. When he's sending the 72, he says, show them and tell them. This was actually the pattern of Jesus' own life was to show and tell. Jesus would encounter people and do a miracle with them, heal them. Even last week we talked about Zacchaeus. He would call him by name. He would do good to him, and then he would say good to him. And so Jesus in these passages, in this passage, he describes and he prescribes for us our interaction with others. And he kind of goes through a list of instructions, if you will, as he's preparing to send the 72. In the previous chapter, he has sent out the 12 apostles. And he sent 12, and they came back, and then he gathered 72 and, and sent those 72 in a similar way that he had. But it's, it's this instruction list that I want to look at. And it starts in verse 1 and goes through uh, verse 12. And we're just going to march our way through that passage. Let me uh, mention several of the ideas that Jesus was talking about in verses 1 through 12. And first is in verse 1. He says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. The first idea that, that Jesus is, is capturing here is that he is sending them, that they are the ones carrying the gospel. He's sending them and that we are to live sent. Uh, there's a sending aspect to having a relationship with Jesus. He is, he is preparing these disciples to represent him and saying, in a, he's, he's thinking to himself, in a little while, I'm not even going to be here. They're going to be the only ones carrying the gospel. And it's time for me to send them, to give them some practice, because in the end, they're the ones who have to carry the gospel. They're the ones, the good news, they're the ones who have to tell others. Sometimes we think Jesus' mentality was, 
hey, I can do this and you all need to help me. Let me gather a lot of people to help me. That's not Jesus' mentality even today. His mentality is not he can do this. His mentality is we can do this. He can help us. And that we are to live sent. We have this this responsibility to be his people everywhere we are. We gather every weekend so that we can scatter. And gathering is important. We gather as believers, but we scatter for the gospel, for the good news. And it's where we go, it's when we go, that we carry the gospel with us. And and Jesus was sending the disciples to places where he was going to go. Do you know he still does that today? He's sending us. And we are the way he gets to the cities he's gonna go to, to the neighborhoods he's gonna go to, to the businesses he's gonna go to, to the school classrooms that he's going to. We are the way the good news gets there. Through us, the good news travels. And can I encourage you? We are everywhere. I tell you that often. I encounter you, no matter where I go, I encounter you, even sometimes in other cities and every business, every place. You are everywhere. If we all carried the gospel with us, there's not a venue in our community that wouldn't be impacted. The other day I was, took my car to um, get worked on to the garage where I take it. And uh, I Uber back to the office when I do that. So I called Uber or whatever you do with the app and the Uber driver came and, and I sat down in the back of the car and he didn't go anywhere and I looked over and he's got his camera up, his phone up trying to take it. He said, you mind if I take our picture? And, I said, no, and he said, yeah, my wife won't believe I gotta take Danny DeArmas on an Uber ride. I gotta take, (laughs) you're my pastor, we go to the church and I gotta take your picture. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I should be snapping his picture because this is how the gospel goes anywhere. Every single day, this guy's got dozens of people sitting in his car and he can play whatever radio station he wants and he can talk about Jesus and he can use little moments of opportunity to spread the gospel if he lives sent There's way more impact than what I can have. And if that happens over and over and over again, I should be taking his picture, not him taking my picture. We live sent. Second idea, in the same verse, Jesus says this idea that he sent them two by two is the way Jesus sent them. He sent them in pairs. The idea is we gotta pair up. He did the same thing with the 12 in the previous chapter. Following Jesus and sharing about Jesus is best done together, not alone. We don't have to go it alone. We do it with somebody else. It's just a simple idea. Sometimes when when it's time to be sent, let's do it together. Have somebody with you. Maybe it's life groups working together to find ways to to show and tell about the good news of Jesus. Maybe it's you and a spouse or you and a child or you and a friend finding ways to say, how can we together pair up? to share and, and, and talk about and, and demonstrate the good news. Third idea is found in verse three. And he says this, go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. The big idea is here, be ready for battle, he is saying. You're going as a lamb among wolves. That's pretty harsh language, that's, that's dangerous. Lambs don't like to go among wolves because it's dangerous for them. And Jesus knows that they're going to encounter opposition, that there are gonna be difficult days, that there's gonna be times when people won't wanna receive them and the message won't be received well. And he says, be ready for battle. But I wanna caution us here that I think sometimes we get, we get confused about who the enemy is. And the enemy 
and the wolves that he's talking about are, it's not people. It's not people who are not believers that are wolves. It's not people who believe differently than us that are the wolves. The wolves are the devil and his demons. The devil, Satan is the one who wants to steal, kill and destroy. It's not people, they're captured by it. Their, their minds are blinded by the devil. That's the way um, Paul said it. And so the, the enemy is not other people. The enemy is the devil. And don't be confused and don't act in such a way that makes people think they're the enemy, even if they don't believe, even if they don't receive. People are not our enemy. We invite people to Jesus and we always extend the invitation. We never stop inviting people to Jesus. So you can always come to Jesus, even if they're not receiving today. And don't ever make the mistake of pointing our anger or our frustration or, or anything like that towards people who are outside of the kingdom, outside of the faith. They are not the enemy. We're constantly inviting them in. And let me say a word, maybe you came today and, and you're not a part of the family of Christ, you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're watching today and, and you've not you know, given your life to Jesus, you've not come into relationship with Christ and you, you would consider yourself maybe an explorer, maybe you're kind of asking questions or you're giving God another chance because you've been wounded either by the church or by other Christians. And I wanna say to you, you're not the enemy and I'm sorry if somebody's made you feel like the enemy. And First Baptist Orlando, if nowhere else, I can tell you this is a place where you can come and be safe and ask questions and seek and know God and through his son, Jesus Christ. It's a safe place to come and you are not the enemy and you're welcome here. This is a safe place and we are a safe people for people to come ask about God. Next idea in verse four, Jesus says, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals and greet no one on the road. What a peculiar piece of advice. Like he's sending people out and he's saying, don't take, don't take resources with you and don't greet people. What does he mean don't greet people? Well, in those days, the Hebrew greetings that people would, would make with other people were really time consuming. And oftentimes those greetings were a chance for people to brag upon themselves. They would say, in those greetings, it would be like reading their own spiritual resume. In fact, elsewhere in the gospels, Jesus condemns the Pharisees for doing nothing but walking around and greeting people. Because all they're doing is talking about themselves and talking about how good they are and how spiritual they are and everything they've done for God. And I think when Jesus is talking to disciples, he doesn't want them to get caught up in that. He doesn't want them to make the mistake of, of walking around saying, well, you know, you know, we're with Jesus. And you should have been there the other night when he did something, or you should have seen this other thing that happened, or I was there when he made this happen, or I was there. He says, that's not, that's not what you're supposed to do. It's okay to talk about your own personal experience, but don't brag, don't be in a situation where it's all about you. I think he's saying simply be purposeful and intentional around the good news. Don't highlight yourself and don't make a grand entrance. I think there's also a point here, we, we need to be purposeful and we need to be intentional around the good news to, to use our conversations and relationships and opportunities 
to say who is around me who I can talk to about Jesus? Who is in my neighborhood that I might be able to help come to faith in Christ? Or who do I work with that I might can help at least take a step on their spiritual journey? We need to be intentional about that and purposeful about that. That's what this verse is saying. But I also don't think he's saying put targets on people's backs so that we can check a box or put a notch on our belt. He's not saying that either. He's saying be authentic. It's not about having a a superior spiritual resume. It's about being authentic with people and uh, getting to know them, letting them get to know you. When you're being sent, when you live sent, you live in such a way where you're creating authentic relationships with people so that you can help them experience the same thing you have experienced through your relationship with Jesus Christ. He uses the term the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And, and that's the reason that we live sent. And that's what we're supposed to carry with us is in an authentic way, real way, just being ourselves in relationship with other people. Verse five and six, he says this, whatever house you enter, first say peace be unto this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. What does this mean? What's, what does it mean to say peace? Well, in those days, uh, people would, would speak Uh, this term shalom, which means peace in Hebrew. And they would say, uh, even today, if you go to Israel, someone will say shalom and the greeting back, if they're a person of peace and wanna be friendly with you, they'll say shalom right back. So let's practice. I'll say it, then you do. I say shalom. Shalom. And then if you're from the Southern Israel, you say shalom shalom, y'all is what you said. I'm just kidding. But shalom was a a greeting of peace. And Jesus is saying, look for a person of peace. Look for somebody who's, who's speaking peace back to you. So what does that look like to us today? I think Jesus is saying when we're, when we're living sent and we're wanting to show and tell, look for acts from people around us that are acts of openness in our direction. It's a, maybe an invitation into their space that they're giving us. And maybe it's as simple as they're inviting you to a meal or to their home, or maybe they're telling you aspects of their story. They're telling about something that they've walked through that's a, an, a, a more transparent look at their own life, or maybe inviting you to a special event or maybe a project that you're working on. I have all kinds of situations where people just, they give a they're a person of peace. They create an opportunity to open the door to say, maybe they'll let me have more conversation than I've had in the past. Not too long ago, um, I pulled up in my driveway one evening and my neighbor who we've tried to make friends with and haven't had a lot of spiritual conversations, but just looking for opportunities to do it. My neighbor was grilling. Our driveways are in the backyard and he was grilling in his backyard. And he, he's a Brazilian uh, background and man, the grill smelled great as I got out of my truck. And, and he saw me and we waved and said hello. And, and then he quickly called and he motioned for me to come over and he cut a piece of that, I don't know what they call it, but that really good steak that they make. And he put it on a fork and he handed it to me, he said, taste it, taste it, taste it. And when he did so, when he handed me food that he had prepared, he was, he was doing an act as a person of peace. He was saying, I'm welcoming you a step further than, than the fence between us. I'm letting you into my world. 
And just simple things like that give you the opportunity to say, hey, maybe I can have a little bit more conversation about Jesus. It's not manipulative. It's saying when you're ready, when the situation is right in your life, I want to be here. When you're a person of peace to be able to tell you and show you what it means to be a part of the kingdom. And then in verse 7 and 8, Jesus goes on with these instructions, says, remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for you, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house, uh, and whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. I give them, again, some really practical uh, instruction about what does it mean, eat the food that's set before you, don't go from house to house. I like the way it's said elsewhere, that is don't, don't just go looking for the best meal wherever you can find it. I think Jesus is saying here, don't create obstacles that I have to overcome. Have good manners. How good, how, excuse me, how bad would it be for somebody to turn away from the gospel, from the good news of Jesus, because somebody had been rude about the food that you cooked for them or that a guest had, they don't, you don't complain about that, you just eat it because you don't want to offend somebody. My grandmother taught me, my mom taught me, you eat the food that's put in front of you. It's good manners to do that. And Jesus is saying the same thing. It's good manners, have good manners. That means being polite to people. Can I tell you in this season, this has been challenged for a lot of followers of Christ. This has been a difficult season, not just, pol not just politics, but during the pandemic. And I just wanna encourage us, okay? I think in, in matters of politics and patriotism and even fandom, even, even rooting for Orlando City, it's important, but it's not as important as following Jesus. And we have to, it's okay to be involved in politics. It's appropriate and important and, it, and patriotism as well. But we can't put those things on the same level with following Jesus. And we can't let those things get in the way of us having an opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. We can't be rude about the way we interact on those levels. Paul said it's so great when, when in 1 Corinthians, I think it is, or maybe 2 Corinthians, when he's talking about the effort he's gone to in order to reach other people. He says, I've, I've become all things for all people. To the Jew, I've become a Jew. To the non-Jew, I've become a non-Jew. To the weak, I've become a weak. I've become weak. I've done whatever it takes. I've become all things to all people so that I might by some means win some. He's not saying I'm going around looking for the best meal. Instead, he's saying, I've become all things to all people that I might by some way win some. And for us today, you know what that looks like? That means me saying, uh, I'm gonna become a gator to win a gator. Or I'm gonna become a Seminole to win a Seminole. Or I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna become a Democrat to win a Democrat. Or I'm gonna be like a Republican to win a, a Republican or I'm gonna be like a Michigander to win a Michigander. I'm gonna be like a Texan. Well, actually, no, we wouldn't include that group. We, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What it means is that we, we, we do whatever it takes to become like the people we wanna reach, to get into their space, and we're not looking for the best meal. What does it take for us to be winsome in our approach? attractive in the way we talk to other people. Verse nine says this, heal the sick and in it, this is the key verse, 
and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Again, heal the sick in that city and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. He says here, do good and speak truth. Heal and say. It's both. It's not one or the other. It's not just heal people and don't tell them. It's not just tell people and don't heal them. It's show and tell. Do good and speak truth. That is what Jesus is saying to them. Good, do, good deeds and good news. That's what we have to offer. I think too often we have focused on the speaking part and not on the doing part. And it's really important that we do both. Good deeds and good news. I like the way Rick Warren, the pastor out in California said, the church is the body of Christ. The hands and feet have been amputated and we're just a big mouth known for what we're against. We don't wanna be that kind of people. We wanna be the hands and feet of Jesus. We wanna show and tell. And do you know this is what Jesus modeled? To heal and declare, to do and to say, and where our deeds and our words align. When we're delivering the good news, we shouldn't be mad about it. We should be happy because it's good news that has come to us. Good news, and we should be happy about it, not mad. And then he uses the term kingdom, and I don't want that to throw anybody. It's not kingdom like we think of it. It's not military or political. In fact, even in Jesus' day, they were expecting it to be military or political. It's not where he was going. What he's saying is it's a new movement. It's a new way. He's using that term to capture their imagination because it's what they were thinking. He says, but it's not military or political. It's, it's God within reach, accessible to us. When he says the kingdom of heaven has come near, what he's saying is instead of us having to reach him, instead of us having to do everything to get to God, he has come to us. The kingdom of heaven has come near to us. And that's good news that we should be showing and telling Everyone, show and tell. And then lastly, Jesus gives just the most encouraging piece of advice because he knew what was gonna happen to these disciples. In verse 10 and 11, he says, but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its street and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. What does this mean? There was a tradition that when, when Jews left Gentile area, they would they would get the dust, get the dirt off their feet. And it was just a way of saying, I'm going from what is unclean back to clean. And I don't, Jesus isn't issuing judgment. In fact, because the last words he says, nevertheless know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. He's not condemning yet. He's not saying that condemnation is coming yet. He's saying there's still an opportunity to respond to that city. Say that to them, but here's what you need to know. Don't be discouraged by rejection. They're going to reject you. Don't be discouraged by it. In fact, you know what he's saying literally? Shake it off when they reject you. Now, he said that a long time before Taylor Swift did, okay? <laughs> it's Jesus' statement, not hers. Shake it off. It's okay. Sometimes people are going to stiff arm you. Sometimes people are going to reject us with the good news, even when we do and say, even when we show and tell. Sometimes people are going to reject. They're just not ready or they're just not willing. And Jesus is saying, don't be discouraged. It's okay. And then he finishes with these last words. The kingdom of heaven is within reach for you. The kingdom of God has come near to you. 
Can we be that kind of people? That no matter what we are telling people, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So Jesus gives these instructions and they are live sent, pair up, be ready for battle, be purposeful, be a person of peace, have good manners, show and tell. And if they say no, shake it off. And he says to us, go represent me. Wherever you are, wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you play, go represent me. And the disciples did it. They took off. And then later in verse 17 of that same chapter, they come back and they're so excited. The beginning of their return, they come to Jesus and say, we're so excited, we can't believe what happened. We had like the power over demons and, and we were able to heal people and we were, had amazing uh, interaction. Like that was incredible. It's almost when you read it, they're going like, man, that roller coaster was incredible. That was awesome. Because they're so, in, so amazed by what they did, by the authority they had, by the power that they had. And Jesus said, calm down just a second. That's not why you did that. The reason that you went, the reason that I sent you is not because you were gonna get to experience power and that can't sustain you in the long run. The reason, and he says it in the last part of their return, it's in verse 20, part B, it says this, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's the reason, that's the why. You know why we go live sent and to show and tell? because our names are written in heaven. You know that phrase, it, it has a sense of security about it. You know what it means? It's not that we're holding on to God, it's that he is holding on to us. Our names are written in heaven and they're sealed and we're held with him. And that is why we show and tell. And I just wonder, in this Christmas season, would we as a church be motivated and inspired to share the good news and to tell and do and to show and tell like never before wherever we live, work and play? Would it be possible? You know, this year there's a phenomenon that's happening. I think it's across the country, it may be around the world, but for sure around here, people are wanting to celebrate Christmas earlier than ever before. Have you noticed people decorating already? Like we already got all our stuff up. How many of you already got your stuff up? All right, right? Yeah, see, that's never happened before Thanksgiving before. And so our creative teams were thinking, hey, okay, maybe we can tap into this. Maybe we can use this as an opportunity to, to share Christmas and to share good news. And so starting next weekend, we start a series called Good News. Christmas music and sermons around Christmas. And it's a chance for us to say, how can we share Christmas? And so we're gonna start next week. We're gonna be giving you different ideas every weekend. And some of the things are gonna be like this gift candle, by the way, that smells remarkable and you can give it as a gift to somebody. It says share Christmas on it. And there's a QR code on here that somebody can scan and it takes them to places where they can hear the Christmas story and hear and see the things that we're doing for Christmas. And we have here a, a, a I'm not sure what this is. Oh, an air freshener, that's what it is. I thought it was a Christmas ornament, but it's an air freshener. And, and you can give them this as well. We're gonna have opportunities, simple ways for us to share Christmas for somebody, for us to show how I'm gonna give you something and to tell. Because if we show and tell each of us in our places, the impact we can have, you cannot imagine what it would be. 
It's not, the impact isn't what happens here. The impact isn't me and David or just me and David. We are doing our part, but it takes all of us. And Jesus wasn't saying he could do it, we can help. He's saying we can do it and he's gonna help us to live sent and to show and tell the gospel. A couple weeks ago, I was sent a video that was a feature story on one of our news channels of Dave Oliver. Dave's a lacrosse coach and teacher over at the First Academy. We've told his story here a couple of times and Dave's still struggling with cancer. But what struck me about this was that a local news channel heard about Dave's story and the way he was living out his faith in the midst of suffering through cancer. And they said, we wanna tell your story. And a secular news channel played the story of David Oliver telling about his faith and how his faith is helping him through this to the point where Dave said, this has enriched my life so much. I've learned so much about what it means to know God during this season that I'm actually thankful for cancer because of what it's taught me. And I watched that video and I was so proud of him and so thankful for him. I know. He's like a lot of other of you that are suffering and hurting with all different kinds of issues and maladies, things that are going on in your life. And when I finished watching the video, I, I called David and I just said, Dave, I just got to tell you, man, you're a blessing to me. And it's so encouraging to hear your story again and to hear the way this news channel told your story. Thank you for being that kind of man. Thank you for following Jesus the way you are and for showing and telling us what it means to know and love Jesus Christ. And he was gracious and thankful for the church and for the teaching and all that kind of stuff. But it was just a chance for me to say to him, thank you, Dave, for living for Jesus the way you are. I hung up the phone with him and I was in my truck. And just to nobody in particular, there was nobody there, it was just me. I said out loud to Dave, even though he wasn't there, Dave, you were made for this. This is what you were made for, to live for Jesus in a season like this. And, and to show and tell people of the gospel. And can I tell you that this church is full of people like Dave Oliver, maybe not suffering with cancer. Yeah, it's awesome. Maybe not suffering with cancer and maybe not experiencing exactly what he's experiencing, but you're showing and telling the gospel wherever you go. And it's not just what happens on this little platform that matters. It's what happens when we live sent and we go out from here. Last week, I asked our team, I said, I wonder what it looks like if we just, I think we did this eight or 10 years ago, just kind of say, where do our people live? And what would it look like? So what kind of influence could, could First Baptist Orlando have? So we started with me and David, because I know many of you think, well, it's me and David are the ones that have to make this happen. And this is a map of Central Florida. It goes from from uh, Sanford up top to down south of Kissimmee and outside of Claremont over here, over almost to the coast over there. So that's the region that it covers. And, and you see David and me are right here uh, and it doesn't do much, there's not much impact with just me and David. So I thought, well, what if we got all of our pastors and staff, what do we put that on the map? What would it look like? Well, how, oh, well, that's a little better. There's a little more coverage that we have there. Maybe we can make a little impact. But I thought, well, what if we get our life group leaders and our Sunday school teachers and uh, our deacons and all, and then it's a little better, not much difference, but a little bit different. And then I thought, well, what if we really motivated and inspired the church? What if everybody here got to be a part of this with us? What would it look like for all of First Baptist, those watching and those here in the room, just where you live, what kind of impact could we have? Look at this. 
That's what it means to be a part of this faith community. And can I tell you, all it takes is for us to be people who are showing and telling the gospel. Good deeds, good words. Loving people and telling them about Jesus. I wanna encourage us, let's be that kind of people. In these next few weekends, we're gonna be challenging and giving us ways to be able to do that. And I encourage you, be here with us and be a part of showing and telling the gospel. Let's pray. Gracious God, what wonderful news you have delivered to us in Jesus Christ. A redemption story that's changed all of us. And I thank you, God, for, for that transformation, for the grace extended to each of us. And I pray, God, help us to be your ambassadors. Help us to be your representatives. Help us to show and tell the good news of Jesus in every network of relationship, in every neighborhood where we live, every workplace, every school, every store, every restaurant, every place, every club, every athletic team, every club team, every place we go, may we represent Jesus for the sake of the gospel. May we be that kind of people. I pray, inspire us to do that and motivate us to do that and remind us of these lessons that Jesus taught so we might do it in a winsome and effective way. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week. Doesn't do much, there's not much impact with just me and David. So I thought, well, what if we got all of our pastors and staff? What do we put that on the map? What would it look like? Well, how, oh, well, that's a little better. There's a little more coverage that we have there. Maybe we can make a little impact. But I thought, well, what if we get our life group leaders and our Sunday school teachers and uh, our deacons and all? And then it's a little better, not much difference, but a little bit different. And then I thought, well, what if we really motivated and inspired the church? What if everybody here got to be a part of this with us? What would it look like for all of First Baptist, those watching and those here in the room, just where you live, what kind of impact could we have? Look at this. That's what it means to be a part of this faith community. And can I tell you, all it takes is for us to be people who are showing and telling the gospel. Good deeds, good words loving people and telling them about Jesus. I wanna encourage us, let's be that kind of people. In these next few weekends, we're gonna be challenging and giving us ways to be able to do that. And I encourage you, be here with us and be a part of showing and telling the gospel. Let's pray. Gracious God, what wonderful news you have delivered to us in Jesus Christ redemption story that's changed all of us. And I thank you, God, for, for that transformation, for the grace extended to each of us. And I pray, God, help us to be your ambassadors. 
Help us to be your representatives. Help us to show and tell the good news of Jesus in every network of relationship, in every neighborhood where we live, every workplace, every school, every store, every restaurant, every place, every club, every athletic team, every club team, every place we go, may we represent Jesus for the sake of the gospel. May we be that kind of people. I pray, inspire us to do that and motivate us to do that and remind us of these lessons that Jesus taught so we might do it in a winsome and effective way. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.